Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. Welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. Uh, this week we are talking with Vince Greenwald about forming a gospel culture in your student ministry. Vince is the director of student ministry at Emmanuel Church in Nashville. Uh, Vince, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I just finished a long semester of seminary, uh, so I am doing wonderful. Tons of free time for for naps and sleeping in late, right? Um, that was the that was the vision that hasn't been reality, but I I am getting uh, marginally more sleep, so nice, which That's is good. a rare commodity when you have two young kids. Yeah, awesome. Hey, um, to get to know you a little bit better, um, I, I like to ask people what they were like as teenagers. So when you were a teenager, what was your dream job yeah so i think i'm actually going to start with this question with the the preteen years so from about 10 to 18 my my dream job kind of morphed quite a bit and it was because i kept realizing that i wasn't as good at sports as i thought i was <laughs> and, and so at 10 i was going to play in the nba and the nfl and then at, at 12, I was just going to play in the NBA. Like I was just going to focus in, just be an NBA player, um, focus in on that. And then at 14, I realized, okay, that's not going to happen. So I'm just going to be a Division One college basketball player. And then when I get done, I'll, I'll coach and teach and, and uh, go that route. Um, and then at 16, um, I had realized that, okay, that's not going to happen. And so um, maybe I can just be a history teacher and play sports like with my friends uh, yeah. into old age. And then at 18, I was like, yeah, I don't even think my body's going to hold up that long. I'm going to go out for tennis so that I can play a sport that like is a little bit easier on the joints uh, and, and a little bit more of a lifelong sport. So at 18, I just decided, okay, I'm going to be a, I'll be a history teacher, uh, and I'll play tennis with my friends into uh, old age. So, so that was, uh, it was, it was disappointing. I'm not going to lie. It was a gradual letdown of I, uh, went, I was going to be famous and a professional athlete. To I'm going to uh, just kind of, you know, grind it out in anonymity. <laughs> I, I can I can see the heartache in your eyes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's I'm a little so Uncle Rico in me, you know, a little bit of a uh, <laughs> coach would put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions. In it, so. That's a Napoleon yep. Dynamite reference. And if you didn't pick up on it, you need to watch yep. that movie. You're going to so. throw, throw the football over the mountain, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. So, so, so now you're, you're an old man of, um, I'm not even going to guess how old you are. Um, but so right now age, that right so now that you're an old man, so, you're just playing pickleball. Yeah. Then uh, have you have you 
have you condescended I actually do yourself have, to pickleball? I have pickleball on the schedule this week with some friends for Friday. So yes, have that you, is the only sport I am playing this week. Some it is weeks, legit, I, really I fun, gather actually. up the energy. Yeah, it is. Some weeks I gather up the energy to play um, poorly, uh, pick up basketball. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's all downhill from here and. <laughs> The speed at which it's been downhill has surprised me. Yeah, I'll say that. Sometimes that's the way it goes. We could probably do a full episode on just us talking about our like um, athletic um, shelf life and disappointments. Yeah, yeah. Be, there are times it, you, you wouldn't look at me nowadays and think that guy's an athlete, but I used to be. And there are times when I just look at my high school kids now and I just think someday this dad bod will catch up to you yeah eventually 100%. it just happens so catches up with 98 percent of us yep yeah yeah hey uh so when we're talking about youth ministry and we talk about um discipleship and evangelism and how do we help kids develop lasting faith uh it's easy for us to get caught up in talking about certain programs or tricks of the trade or looking for a magic bullet um but one of the things that's really important is developing a gospel culture uh, that facilitates some, some really healthy uh, priorities and practices. And so in, in your ministry at Emmanuel, uh, what does gospel culture look like uh, in the church? And how has that funneled itself down into the student ministries? Yeah, absolutely. So our founding pastor, Ray Ortland. Um, I don't know when he came up with this. I know he wrote about it um, mid-2010s. And it was just this concept of uh, gospel doctrine leads to gospel culture, that uh, those two things uh, need to, should go together, but they often don't. And so when we say gospel culture, we're talking about um, culture being the way we do things or the way we live being informed by the gospel in the, the great doctrines that, that we've received. Um, and, and so, yeah, gospel culture is getting, getting that theology, uh, lived. Yeah. And, um, uh, in terms of how that informs our, our student ministry, there's, there's three basic practices uh, that, that we've tried to incorporate into our student ministry that, um, are opportunities for us to, on a regular basis, live out our doctrine. And uh, those, those three practices are uh, what we call walking in the light time, uh, honor time, and then something that we just started this semester was called burden bearing time. Um, and, and so those are just three things that we try to, um, to intersperse throughout the, the regular ministry um, of a manual and, um, we, we want those things to help us get the gospel lived out. All right. So can you walk us through what are, so you're talking about walking in the light, um, honor time and burden bearing. Um, what, what are each of those and what does it look like for you to practice those in your ministry? Yeah, absolutely. So walking in the light and, Honor time are, are two things that are, are just kind of a, a part of the Emmanuel Church DNA and, and things that were practiced. But before I started with the student ministry, 
um, they're just practiced in, in most, most settings and avenues uh, of the church, um, in men's, men's ministry, women's ministry, uh, small groups, um, at times, even during, during, uh, a corporate gathering. Um, these are just, these are things that just happen uh, on a regular basis in the life of a manual. And uh, when, when I started with the student ministry, I, I wanted us to, um, keep as much similar practice and language um, as, as possible for, from the broader church. And so we started to, to practice walking in the light every time we met on Wednesday nights. And so walking in the light uh, just comes from, from 1 John 1, 7. Uh, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And then two verses later, we, we get, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and walking in the light is just a, really a liturgy around confessing sin to one another. And the, the way that we practice it at, at, um, or in the student ministry is at the end of our teaching time, we have an hour just where we're, we're reading through a passage of the scriptures and, and our leaders are, are teaching it and, and we're discussing it. And then the last 15 uh, minutes or, or 10 minutes of, of that hour is spent uh, in groups walking in the light. And, and the way that um, it, it ends up um, going and there's kind of like a, a, a tight um, liturgy around how we do this is the leader will go first. And the leader is just going to say, hey, here's here's how I screwed up this week or here's how um, I sinned this week. And um, they're going to confess a sin. And then as soon as they get done confessing a sin, as opposed to there just being a time of, um, you know, students giving advice or leaders giving each other advice um, right away, the, the person to their right or to their left just jumps in and says, hey, can I pray for you? And, and then we just, it just, just take that, that sin to the Lord, um, and, and ask for felt forgiveness, ask for cleansing, ask for healing, um, ask for, for what only God can do in terms of changing our hearts. And, um, then the next person goes mm-hmm. and the, the form, the format of this is, is a little bit different based off our middle school groups versus our high school groups. In our middle school groups, we always want a leader to be with the students um, in, in confessing the sin. And also we tell our leaders um, just to be wise in terms of um, the, the sins that they're confessing, not to confess a sin that's uh, that would be inappropriate to share yeah. with a fifth or a sixth yeah. or a seventh or eighth grade student. Um, and and one, they're typically um, living, living lives of integrity. And, and then two, um, they, they have that wisdom and, and prudence yeah. um, in that space. And then in the high school level, um, that's when we, we typically have students pair up with one another uh, because that is an age where just students are tend to be, whether they're homeschooled or private school or public school, kind of on an even playing field in terms of they're, they're pretty familiar with, with um, the world and, and sin uh, and what's out there. That's when we give them a little bit more freedom to mm-hmm. just um, pair up and confess to one another and pray for one another at the high school level. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how we do it. And 
it has been, it is routinely the thing that students describe as the most impactful, informative uh, practice of, of being in the Emmanuel student ministry. Yeah. And what it, what it has done for the relationships uh, and the honesty and just a the, there being a felt gospel culture in the student ministry um, where, where we're people who really need the grace of Jesus mm-hmm. and really know that and yet are really, really putting um, all of our, all of our chips onto God in, in terms of him being the one to, to cleanse us um, and, and work in our lives. Um, it's just been, it's been transformational. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know many other student ministries who are doing uh, and practicing confession of sin um, in part of their gathering, um, especially as part of their regular gathering. I know for mm-hmm. for my own youth group, um, I mean, when, when we go around at the end of our growth group time and ask for prayer requests, it's just, it tends to be very shallow. <laughs> um, yeah. So how... I guess, what have you learned about um, facilitating that in a season, uh, in a time in youth group, so that students take it seriously and don't just treat it like a joke, um, Mm -hmm. so that kids don't just kind of sabotage, I guess, the the walking Mm -hmm. in the light um, time. I'm, I'm sure that's happened, right? Um, how, how do you respond and handle that situation? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, a little context. I, I talked to a lot of youth ministers about uh, this practice of walking in the light and even, even people who, who work outside of uh, youth ministry in, in other contexts. And all, almost all of them, their response is like, man, that sounds so great. That's number one. And then two, I'm not going to try that. <laughs> uh, and, and I, I keep uh, being persistent and, you know, pushing it because I don't think it's as hard as it seems. And now I actually have a data point for that because uh, one of my best buddies went to a, a church last year. That's a, a very different context um, from a manual, uh, bigger youth group. And yeah, just, uh, differences in a lot of ways and differences in that this isn't a part of the, the kind of church-wide DNA and started this practice of, of walking in the light. And actually um, their, their group was going through first John that, that semester. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of a natural, you know, chapter yeah, one is, is when you, you get into this. Yeah. Um, and I think probably he wanted to do first John because he wanted to, to start walking in the light. Right. Uh, and it went great. I mean, no landmines were stepped on. Uh, I don't think any parents pulled their students out of the youth ministry. Um, that time at the end of, of prayer and honesty, like it, it, it got way better. Um, leaders didn't push back or say this is too weird. Um, and this is this is one of the biggest youth groups um, in in Nashville, which is like mega church land. <laughs> there's there's a lot of big churches around here. Yeah. Um, and so I just think. I just think it's not it's not as crazy uh, and hard as as it often sounds like initially. Yeah. Um, I will say that we very occasionally have 
um, just kind of the general youth group, um, joking around, not taking something seriously happen um, during walking in the light. But it's rare because when when we make it obvious to our students that we are getting our theology lived and it's and it's clear to students like what they're being asked to do or what they're being invited to do because this isn't something that um, if a students have the option to pass they can say hey um, I don't want to share I don't have anything to share that's it's not ever ever uh, compulsory um, but when we when we give them space and clarity of like hey here's what we're doing here's why we're doing it from the scriptures um, and it's participative most students don't opt out on that and most students as, as soon as that uh, like in the middle at the middle school level when I uh, kick things off with the group and, and, and confess uh, a sin um, then they quickly recognize oh like what we're doing right now is serious and so I'm going to be serious and and then they're asked to to jump in and in, in prayer and and in sharing and uh, there's very little, there's very little, um, it's probably the most, let me say this, it's probably the most serious time of our hour and a half together on Wednesday nights in the time where there's the least amount of opt out or goof off yeah. um, that occurs. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing that's, that's, I think makes people the most nervous is what if a student shares something that is like anything about um, wanting to harm themselves or abuse or um, just students sinning in, in grievous ways. And we don't promise um, like that this space with our teenagers is anonymous in a sense of like, oh, whatever you share here won't be, we don't, we don't promise that. We can't promise yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I mean, even legally we can't. It's not a private so confessional booth. It's, it's not a... Yeah. Yeah, it's not a private confessional yeah. booth, and um, I've never had. Number one, there's been very few times that that something has been confessed that I've had to, uh, or have had the opportunity to to bring a parent in on. Um, a lot of that has to do with students, even when they're confessing sin, have tend to have the ability to to self monitor a little bit of like, oh man. I'm going to share this sin and not that one, uh, which, yeah. you know, honestly, I wish that there was more times that students were honest enough um, during that time that I got to bring a parent in uh, right. with them on that. But the, the few times when that's happened, students haven't felt betrayed. They felt grateful. Mm -hmm. um, and parents, parents have, have never, um, I've never had a parent say, Hey, I would bring my student to youth group, but because you guys do that sin confession thing, I'm not going to. Instead, yeah. it's it's often um, one of the things that they appreciate the most about what we do in yeah. student ministry. And, and so, yeah, it's a win on so many levels. I want everyone to do it. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I can't wait, Mike, to hear about how it goes in your groups. Yeah. yeah. Hey, now. Hey, now. Uh, so... I guess here's here's a question as I'm thinking it through. I mean, I could picture I could picture it going really bad in some ways if you just get kids together and just say, all right, now confess your sins to each other. Right. Just mm -hmm. very kind of 
harsh, cold, possibly even spiritually abusive. Tell us all the ways that you fail. Um, just be very damaging in that sense. Uh, but the, we confess our sin because we know that the gospel is true and mm-hmm. that we have been yeah. set free from guilt and shame. And so um, we don't we don't confess sin um, under a banner of guilt and shame, but under freedom because of Christ's mm-hmm. finished work. So how do right. you ensure that um, – because you can't lead all of these. I mean, you can't lead every growth group and, and everything, right? So how do you and your volunteer team um, set the parameters, I guess, uh, set the stage might be a better way of putting it. How do you set the stage for mm-hmm. walking in the light um, because of the gospel so that way it's a confession and absolution of sin type of thing more than just kind of airing your dirty laundry. Do you know what I'm trying to get at? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So first I would say that the reason why confession of sin, um, I think sounds dangerous and, um, train wreck, uh, uh, I don't know, train, like it could possibly lead to a train wreck is, has more to do with how we respond to the confession of sin than yeah. it has to do with the act itself. Yes. Because the sins that are confessed in our youth ministry are not like nobody's shocked. <laughs> I mean, that when they hear that, um, I've been a, a distant dad in the past week and um, need need prayer for like engaging with my kids. Like yeah. the middle schoolers around the room are not or yeah. around the circle with me. Well, aren't that shocked no by temptation that. has uh, you know seized you. That's not yeah. common to man. Like right. a lot of exactly. what we are going exactly. to confess is mm-hmm. like, yep, me too. Yeah, yeah, uh, and so that's not. That's not the dangerous part. The dangerous part is in the response. And so because we have such a firm practice and policy of when sin gets confessed, we don't jump on one another or um, give advice to one another or try to fix one another or go blab about it at school. We pray for one another right away. Yeah. Then that just that takes a lot of the, the danger away um, be, because literally as soon as as soon as um i share that sin either the person to the right or the left of me is going to just jump in and pray for me or if if they don't jump in right away i'll just ask hey johnny will you pray for me mm-hmm. and and so because we control the response um there's there's way less um possibility of of harm or for things to to go off the rails yeah. So that's that's one thing. Uh, in terms of how does it become how does how is it rooted in the gospel? Uh, that's the the gospel is what we've spent the previous fifty minutes of the time um, marinating in and and finding um, finding the gospel in the, the the passage that we've been reading, and just about every time we introduce walking in the light it's almost always a different introduction that bases that's based specifically in um the text that we just read 
Yeah. So, for example, um, several weeks ago, we, we read First John, uh, the first part of chapter 2, where it talks about how we have an advocate with God the Father through, through Christ, and that he's the propitiation for our sins. And so I'm going to introduce Walking in the Light at the end and say, because Jesus is the propitiation of our sins, because we have an advocate with God the Father that gives us the freedom now to confess our real sins to our real brothers in this room and be prayed for and healed. And then the next week we're in a different passage and I'll introduce it a different way. And I just put that on the leader guide. And some sometimes leaders are reading that verbatim and other times they're just saying, hey guys, uh, it's time for walking in the light. You know what we're doing? Uh, we're sharing our sins um, because because uh, the Bible um, commands us to and, and says that there's healing uh, and freedom in the light when, when we're not living in the darkness. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it, it, it tends to go a lot better than people think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm super, I, I, I'm so interested in, in this and yeah. Um, yeah. We'll definitely be talking with my leaders over the summer about. Yeah. That'd be awesome, um, man. I, I tell me and yeah. tell me like, yeah, follow up with me in terms of yeah. how it goes and yeah, in terms sure. of what their thoughts are. And the the weekly thing, I I wouldn't really recommend to anyone they say to their group like, hey, we're about to start doing this every single week. Um, you just do it once. Yeah. And uh, then if it goes well or if it goes poorly and you can make some minor adjustments, do it the next week. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it uh, you don't have to jump all the way in. But I think I think a lot of youth ministers will be surprised at how refreshing honesty is for their students yeah because our culture does not encourage uh, students to really be honest about um, where they're at yeah and um, and their sins and their need for a savior and so um, the church needs to do that we need to be better at that yeah. well I mean we live in a culture that says you do you right live your truth um, mm-hmm. you know you you're amazing. You're the best. Like it's just um, confession of sin undermines so much of what our culture says, um, but mm-hmm. in really gospelly kind of way, um, just reminds us of the grace we have in Christ. And I think what you're saying is wise. It, it's not an all or nothing scenario here. Um, I mean, I could very much picture integrating this into um, like a retreat weekend or a D now weekend um, to start introducing it. in in moments like that where students might be particularly spiritually aware and willing to, mm-hmm. to jump into something new before you introduce it into your kind of regular rhythm. So, right. And, and when you, when you get to any point of regularity, in, in terms of sin confession, it will start to happen even when you don't program for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's just, it's, it's, uh, a beautiful way to live. <laughs> uh, and, and students want to confess their sins and yeah, I, I would just, man, really encourage, um, you and, and, and other youth ministers to think about if I don't, like not not what's the cost or the danger of providing this, but what's the cost or the danger of not providing this? 
if if students go through um, not youth group but just church as a whole and don't have a place to confess their sins, what is that teaching them about their need for a savior um, and their how much of themselves they can bring to um, church? Well, my my wife um, grew up at a um, she, she spent some time in a youth ministry that had solid doctrine, but an absence of honesty. And it was toxic. Um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't beautiful. Uh, it wasn't a gospel culture. Mm-hmm. And so to the extent that we're not doing this, I think that's the danger, Mike, yeah. is if, if we don't uh, create space for our students to confess sin to one another, they might, um, either grow up thinking they're not sinners or that um, they can't share sin within the church, which is the safest place <laughs> to, to confess uh, sin or um, to the extent that we don't, we don't confess sin. Um, I think it honestly ends up kind of like shrinking the cross and shrinking um, yeah. the yeah. gospel. If it's not big enough for us to, to share um, with each other, how we screwed up. So, I don't know. I would flip the tables. I'd say it's dangerous not to have a youth group where we're. I love that. So, but here, I here, and here's where the gospel culture piece comes into it. I think is um, just in terms of knowing how youth group dynamics and just group dynamics in general. uh, If you're gonna set the table for walking in the light for confession of sin, but you have a group where. that is just dripping in sarcasm all the time or mm-hmm. a group that yeah. is highly competitive with each other. Uh, if the culture of your, of your ministry kind of sets kids up against each other, then it's going to be really, really difficult to, to invite them to confess their sin and for mm-hmm. other students to take that seriously and to respond with the grace and you know mm-hmm. honor and burden bearing that that you've right. talked about so uh we've talked yeah, a lot absolutely. about this walking in the light um practice uh could you walk us i know time is running short so unfortunately we don't have tons of time um but mm-hmm. could you walk us through what does this honor time and the burden bearing also look like and how do you think those kind of go into also help set that gospel culture uh, in the in the bigger picture of things. Yeah, absolutely. And just real quick, I would say to the extent that gospel culture is is not the felt um, reality within small groups in, in your church, the that culture is informed by just what you do together. And so the answer. Um, is not necessarily like wait around for the culture to get better, but change what you do. Um, tell your leaders, Hey, we got to stop, stop being sarcastic. You know, yep. middle school, uh, high school guys are sarcastic and dog each other all the time. Uh, we just won't participate. Uh, and we might pull aside a, a few of the most influential guys and say, Hey, when you're, when you're doing that, uh, here's what's con- communicating about, um, about our time together. And, 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 uh, yeah, just our, our culture is impacted by what we do. And so let's change what we do if the culture's if the culture is rotten. Um, 
honor time and burden bearing time. Honor time is when we try to live out Romans 12, 10, uh, outdo one another and showing honor. That, that verse is, uh, Pastor Ray used to say the, the only competitive verse in the New Testament that he could find, <laughs> uh, that we're actually called to outdo one another in showing honor. And so what we do at the, is at the end of the semester, we will set aside um, about half an hour to, for, for students to honor one another within our groups. And um, the, way that, the way that works is essentially we, we say, uh, this is not just a time to, to compliment your friends. Uh, this is a time to point out where you see Christ in the, the people of this group. And um, we have found that it helps to have like a, a physical object that kind of keeps everyone on task and, and, mm-hmm. and helps you know who the speaker is. That's not something we do when we do honor time as a, as a church, like in small groups. Yeah. But we have a ball of yarn that the speaker <laughs> holds. Yeah. And then if they're honoring someone next to them or across the room, they throw that yarn to them. And then yeah. you end up with this really fun yeah. Yeah. like web of, wow, like we all love each other and yeah. um, have honored one another and see Christ in one another. Um, so that's, that's honor time. Uh, and then burden bearing time uh, comes out of Galatians 6 2, uh, one of my favorite verses. Uh, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And the reason why this is a new thing that we just did for the first time a few weeks ago, but I want to do it at least once a semester um, going forward. The, the reason why we, well, first I'll say what it is and then I'll say why we're doing it. Sure. Uh, burden bearing time is a time for students to share their burdens with their group and then be prayed for. Um, and in particular, share a burden, like whatever feels most pressing or heavy on them to share that burden with their group and then be prayed for by their whole group. Uh, and the, the reason why we've, we've started to do that is because we've just realized walking in the light is powerful and helpful, but our students are carrying a lot of burdens uh, and sometimes the thing that's most pressing on them is not a sin that they have committed, but uh, just a general um, reality or situation that yeah. comes from living in a fallen world as an insecure teenager. And so uh, burdens, a, a burden could be I just lost uh, my, my aunt to a, to a car crash and I, uh, I, it's just heavy. Uh, a burden could be... Um, my whole life, basketball has been my identity, and I just didn't make the team for the first time ever, and I'm devastated. Uh, a burden could be, I am anxious. I don't know why. I don't know if it's sin. I'm just anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, these are these are some of these are, are um, real burdens that that were shared a few weeks ago, um, and those things don't really fit in to a walking in the light time, but they're often the most painful parts of our students' lives. Yeah. And it's, it's again, the type of thing where it's like, I can't minister to someone if I don't know what they're, I can't minister to them effectively. And they're, the, the gospel can't, um, well, I don't want to say that. The, to the extent that those burdens go unshared, it really diminishes our um, community to one another and our ministry to one another. So I just wanted to create a space where those burdens can be uh, shared. And then I told leaders, hey, write these down um, as, as 
we're going around, pray for them, revisit them, um, make sure that we actually are carrying or bearing those burdens with those people Mm -hmm. so that they going forward recognize that burden is not just on my shoulders going forward. It's being shared. Yeah. So that's, that's burden bearing time. And that takes more time, uh, than walking in the light yeah. because we tend to do it with the whole group together. So that might be eight, nine, 10 students. Okay. And we actually, um, the way we've done it, uh, has been after someone shares their burden, anyone in the group who wants to can, can get up and go place a hand on their shoulder and, and pray for them. Okay. Uh, and so a lot of times, um, different groups, different, different preferences, but a lot of times, um, after someone shares, Hey, I'm, I'm burning with, with anxiety, the whole group is coming around them, surrounding them and, and praying for them. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, yeah, just a really powerful, powerful thing for, for our students and something that we want to do going forward yeah. to make sure that, that, uh, we're living out that verse. Man, I love that. I think it is so important for us to um, to remember the gospel isn't something that we use. Um, the gospel is something that we declare and proclaim mm. and yeah, apply to our students' lives. And um, it, it, it's about how, how can we establish a gospel culture more than mm-hmm. how do I teach X, Y, Z, right? Um mm-hmm. I think sometimes we can talk about the gospel like it's just something that we teach to kids. Mm -hmm. Um, But the gospel is a message we proclaim and that that we want to see formed within them. Um, And so, yeah, Yeah. I'm just I'm really encouraged and thankful for um, for that walking in the light, honor time and burden bearing. Yeah. And. And that makes me think of just the, the wise and the foolish builders mm-hmm. at the end of the, the Sermon on the Mount. Just um, the, the wise builder is the one who, who um, puts into practice the teaching. Yeah. Uh, hears, hears the, the word of Christ and obeys yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. The foolish builder hear, hears it. And so uh, to the extent that, that we represent faithful um, gospel preaching ministries, every student hears it. Uh, but are we helping students um, live out? the great theology that hopefully they're receiving in our ministry. Um, that's, that's just a, a question that I think our church as a whole and our student ministry as a whole has, has asked and been pretty like persistent and dogged in terms of mm-hmm. we're going to get our great theology lived, um, but by the grace of God and, and by, um, yeah, trying some, some things that, that sound, uh, maybe, overly formal or, or, whoa, I've never heard someone else doing yeah. that or youth yeah, group yeah. doing that. Uh, by trying those things, we're, we're just, we really want to get our theology lived. Yeah. Um, one last thing on, on those three things, I'm in the process of making handouts just that really um, clearly, specifically um, explain these practices. Oh, yeah. And I already have a handout for, for burden bearing. Um, and then I'll, I'll work with the pastors here on, on an honor time and a, a walking in the light mm-hmm. handout that just explains those practices. Yep. So if, if anyone, if any youth minister is listening to this and they're like, Hey, I, I'd like to, to look at what that, get that in front of me in, in more detail. Yeah. Uh, they can just email me at Vince at Emmanuel Nashville.com. And, and I'd be happy to share those. Okay. Yeah. That'd be great. I mean, it, if you're willing to share those, um, you know, I, I'd be happy to make those available. We, uh, youth pastor theologian has a resources page 
on our website. Yeah, that'd um, be great. Let's get it on there. And so I, I'd love to get those, and uh, we can link to that in the show notes when we have those available too. Um, mm-hmm. But you can check out um, YPT's resource page for that one. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It helps to see it step by step. Yeah, and yeah, yeah you kind of need that in order to to try these things because, like like you mentioned, awesome. they they can they can um, there's a there's a form and a shape to which they need to they need to take in order to accomplish their their purpose. Yeah. Hey Vince, thank you so much for your ministry. Thanks for sharing about this and for making those those guides and handouts uh, available. Um, and so last last thing um 30 seconds final word on gospel culture and youth ministry or any other resources that have been helpful for you in establishing this that might be available for others Mm -hmm. yeah i would just i would just say um pray about these these the Pray about the really sticky, thorny problem that every youth minister has where the lives um, that the the culture um, or the, the like lived practice of your students does not resemble the great inheritance that we've received in terms of discipleship to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Pray about that problem um, and 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 really think about like trying something out of the box um or out of your your normal wheelhouse that just directly gives students opportunities to to do the things that that don't currently like exist in your your ministry culture yeah uh because just in my time as a as a high school teacher uh and then my time as a youth minister uh, a lot of times kids surprise us by like we we raise the bar um, and, and all of a sudden, like they're a whole lot more interested and a whole lot more engaged because we, um, are, are treating them like, uh, like, like human beings, yeah. uh, made in the image of God, um, that, that can do hard things that can confess sin to one another, that can seriously honor one another, that can share burdens with one another and pray for one another, um, I've just, I've seen so many 11 and 12 year olds do this. Um, and you know, hard, hardened kids, not, not raised in the church, um, come into our ministry and hear this for the first time and say, Hey, I'll do that. Um, that the, oh, it wouldn't work here. Yeah. Um, I I don't think about it, think about it, pray about it. Uh, look at these handouts and, um, yeah, try to, Try to live out your great theology. Yeah, love it. Get it lived. Hey, Vince, thank you so much. And um, thanks for your wisdom and sharing with us. Uh, so listeners, thanks for joining in uh, on this episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. Uh, if you would, uh, we'd really appreciate uh, ratings and reviews. I know it's still a fairly new uh, podcast, so uh, those do help get us on the radar and, and on the map for others who are looking and searching for youth ministry podcasts. So if you could share, like, rate, review, all the things, that would be wonderful. We appreciate your help. So thanks for joining us for this episode, and we will see you again next week. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. 
You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address, or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week. <music>